What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Podcast humans, thank you for putting this show in your ear holes because that means you care about independent music, you care about punk, hardcore, all of that stuff that we find in small rooms. I was actually having a discussion with somebody today who I would define as a civilian, which is no shots against that, but you know, a person who dabbled with the, the scene, as it were, as he was growing up. And we were both opining on how formative that was in our youth. And I mean, for me, obviously still, as I become a grown adult, but uh, it just, it was so cool to connect with a person on a deep level. That's like, oh yeah, like I, I saw this band, I saw Strife in front of, you know, a hundred people in this random teen center. And I just... I love those things. And anyways, that is why we care about independent music, and that is why we care about listening to discussions with people involved in that thing. And this is a special one for me because Praise is not only an incredible band, but they have put out what I would argue one of my favorite uh, LPs of the year. And you notice a little bit of a theme as of late, because I had um, Adam McGrath from Cave In, and I was like, that is a potential album of the year for me. So we're just knocking out <laughs> a lot of the records that I personally like. But I have Andy Norton from Praise. And they just released a record called All in a Dream on Revelation Records. Uh, I have loved what the band has done since its inception. Just their melodic DC-style hardcore has now evolved into this latest LP that I feel is a culmination of all of their hard work and vision and just everything that they wanted to put into the band, I think, has led us up to this point, which is so exciting. And Andy's an interesting dude because um, he has a lot of experience, not only within the punk and hardcore scene, but just with creativity and his point of view. I just was excited to have him on. So of course, I'm excited to bring that conversation to you. But let's talk about how you can get in touch with me and the show in general. 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. You can also support the show for absolutely free by just reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts by leaving some stars or a written word or two about why you like this show. Helps the algorithms. Algorithms? Algorithms. You know what I'm saying. Helps the discovery mechanisms because, you know, realistically, finding out about podcasts is difficult. There is not a straight line in the same way that there isn't really a straight line in finding your new favorite band. Maybe it's a playlist. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a band wearing a t-shirt on stage. You never know how that's going to seep into a person's consciousness. But anyways, that's the free way to support the show. Um, yeah. Or just participate in the advertisements. If you hear me, my voice talking about a specific product, that is because I love it. <laughs> And I was very excited to talk about it to you. That is how advertising works. Um, so yeah, support those products because I feel like they're worth your time if you hear me speaking about them. Um, yeah, let's talk to Andy Norton. Well, actually, first, last thing. If you want to buy a shirt, I just made a very small amount of t-shirts for this particular podcast. I'm going to place a link in the show notes so you are able to check it out. 
I only made like 40 of them, so I'm almost sold out, but I realized that I had not mentioned it to the actual podcast listeners besides people who maybe follow the show or myself on social. So anyways, I will toss a link in the show notes and you can buy this Chain of Strength inspired ripoff shirt, which I am very, very proud of because uh, I, I actually got a co-sign by uh, one of the members of Chain of Strength to be like, hey, is this cool that I do this? They were like, dude, all about it, all about it. So anyways... Let's talk to Andy Norton. Like I said, Praise just released a record called All in a Dream on Revelation Records. It is so, so good. And Andy was a great hang. So let's talk to him right now. Specifically with Praise, uh, I've loved watching you guys kind of grow your sound. That feels like to me as a listener, very gratifying because it's like with each release, it seems even more dialed in than the last, which, you know, I mean, ostensibly most bands should do but you know not all bands accomplish that <laughs> and it, it it sounds especially for a band like you guys that isn't incredibly active as far as like playing 150 shows a year and just kind of you know being that quote-unquote typical band um so i think that's really unique do you kind of reflect on that how you you know you aren't out there constantly but that the evolution is there from you guys whether it's just you know, the life experiences that you accumulate and every time you get together to write. Um, does that resonate with you at all? Or am I just reading far too into it? No, I mean, I, it doesn't, I wouldn't say you're wrong, but I think that it just, you know, the band has never been, the goal of the band has never been to be a full-time band or to have like, to be on the every two year cycle with records or anything like that. Um, obviously there's not absolutely nothing wrong with that, but, um, I think the way all of us create and this, you know, applies to the stuff I do on my own. It's not music. We just want to make stuff when it, you know, when it's there to be made. I, I think we're always thinking about praise in the back of our minds, but you know, there's times where I'm sure that, you know, Anthony or Austin or Chris are well, maybe not Daniel because he's always doing something, but you know that they're not like actively writing praise riffs and I'm not like actively writing lyrics all the time. I'm thinking about it. I'm making notes, but it's not something that I'm constantly uh, doing. We're all always, we always have other stuff that we're working on. And then when, you know, the stars align, the praise stuff happens. Right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's this, I guess, low hum of activity in regards to the fact that you guys are always, you know, it's always looming in your consciousness, but it's not this thing that, and I guess it could be argued that, you know, bands that are active, those 150 to 200 shows a year, or whatever, from a touring perspective might not like they would by default have a lot of time together, but maybe not by default be able to, I guess, creatively think about stuff because they're just really focused on the day to day of what tour is like. Yeah, that, that, that's very possible. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, everyone's different, but I, I, that's definitely, I think, something that could happen for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I know I like that articulation of what you said, where it's like, just because we are not, you know, playing all of these shows, it doesn't mean that, you know, clearly, like, we are still practicing, we are still being creative in our own ways. And then once it comes together, then, you know, we're able to push the band forward and not just like rest on laurels. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we 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 really care about what we do. It means it means a lot to us, and we put a, a lot of ourselves into it. When it you know it comes down to making the record and art and all and playing shows, um, but obviously with the way our lives work, we we just can't, you know can't be doing it every day. But right. I think that that also adds to you know Anthony brought up at one point that like maybe that's why we've been a band as long as we have is because we just take our time with stuff and do it when it, it works best for us. Right. That outside pressure to be following, you know, what other people have done. It's like, well, no, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cook when we cook. And then that's kind of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. I like that. And putting the focus on you as a person, um, were you actually born and raised in the Baltimore area? I didn't understand exactly where you came up. Yeah, yeah, I was I was um, born in Columbia, Maryland, so which is like a suburb right between Washington D.C. and Baltimore. 
Right, right. That's uh, that's not near. Not, is that near Silver Spring or no? Yeah, yeah. That's it's it's very close to where I live now. It's um about you know fifteen minutes south of. I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Silver Spring is about fifteen minutes south of Columbia. Mm, okay, got it, got it. Yeah. And uh, the family structure as you were growing up, like brothers and sisters in the house, mom and dad are there. What was that like? Yep. Uh, just uh, b- uh, my parents are still married. Um, my I have a, had an older brother and I have, have a younger sister. And then in um, the mid 2000s, my sister had a daughter, Mackenzie, who's 15 now. So it was, you know, there were, there were a lot of us. There were a lot, a lot of Norton kids. Right. <laughs> and so uh, you mentioned in the past tense, your brother. So is he no longer with us? Yes. My, my brother passed away in uh, 2003. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. That's no, okay. It's been a long time. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I mean, that's obviously what people are supposed to say, but I think it's one of those things that when you go through a loss, even if you weren't that close, it is, you know, formative. I'm not saying that you guys weren't close, but just that, that actual experience is, uh, you know, intense regardless. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so as you, so it sounds like you were the middle child, correct or no? Yep. I'm a middle child. Yeah. So you were, uh, you were not paving the way, so to speak, but your parents were, um, maybe giving you a little bit, uh, more of a, a leash to go on based on your, maybe your older brother's experiences. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that I got away with a lot because, uh, my parents were so focused on my brother. Uh, I think they would, they would cop to that too, that they kind of just, I, I wasn't, I, I think there was a point in my life where I was maybe a little mischie- mischievous, but I was never like a bad kid. I never, you know, caused too much trouble or acted out too much. But um, they definitely, I, I only remember being grounded a couple times in my life. And, uh, it you know, it was when I was in high school for typically for like going to, to a gig and not being back when I said I'd be back. Right. Uh, you know, Dude. that kind that kind of stuff. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't that the best being like, okay, I got to be home by 10. I could probably catch the first two bands, but then, you know, you end up rolling it back to your house at like 11 and just like, damn it. I totally miscalculated. <laughs> yeah. There, there was one, one time I went to a, a gig at a place called Phantasmagoria in Wheaton, Maryland. And, um, I didn't even really care about the band that I was seeing, but I stayed out too late. But that Saturday, Kid Dynamite was playing at the same place and I stayed out too late during the week and then I couldn't go and see Kid Dynamite. And, Dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was dumb on my part for sure, but <laughs> got it. Yeah, so you you were uh, you know, committing uh, low-level mischief as it were uh, and that's, you know, occasionally hampered your show attendance. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't anything big. Right, right. Um, and so when you were saying that your parents were paying uh, closer attention to your brother, was that just because he was, um, you know, I guess getting in trouble or just because he was the first on the scene that that was, you know, what parents typically do? Uh, he, he acted out a bit. He, he had a, uh, a difficult time. Um, so yeah, so they just, it, you know, he took a lot of their energy. And, right. Uh, and, you know, I think for a while that's, you know, a tough, tough thing for a kid to understand, but as an adult, you know, they were looking back. I think they did a pretty, I think they did the best they could to, to deal with them. Um, right, right. And that, like I said, that allowed me to, to kind of get, get to drive to like Philadelphia or Wilkes-Barre on a Wednesday night and not have them really notice. Right. Yeah. They're like, where, where, where's Andy? Well, I know he went to a show where exactly. I don't, I don't know, but he'll yeah. be back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so with you, you know, growing up and kind of getting uh, a hold of your identity and, you know, junior high and high school where you were probably, you know, experimenting with a lot of different things, were you, uh, you know, a sports kid or were you always kind of, you know, the artistic music type? Where did you find yourself as you started to establish that? Um, I, well, I, I skateboarded. I never really played sports. I never really liked playing sports, um, but I did. I love riding like, you know, riding a bike and like I skateboarded through all middle school and uh, most of high school. 
Um, and then, yeah, but, but, but music was pretty much always the thing. Once I was in high school, that was like the priority, like playing in bands and going to gigs was, was everything once I got into high school. Right. That was the most important thing. Yeah. And with the introduction of, of skateboarding, uh, was that just kind of by default that you ran into that or did someone introduce it to you? How did you get involved with that? Um, well, I think that, you know, at that time, like, you know, late eighties, early nineties, like skateboarding was just like in the zeitgeist, like, you know, Ninja Turtles skateboarded and, you know, it, yeah. it was just everywhere. But, um, and then we had like some cheap plastic skateboard that we found that my dad would like ride down to the mailbox and stuff like that. And then, uh, I met a, a kid named, named Matt in when I was 11 and he, uh, he skateboarded and he showed me, he made fun of me for wearing airwalks and not skateboarding. And, um, and then we, he like gave me an old skateboard to use and we started skateboarding together and, uh, yeah, the rest is history with that. And he was like a, a punker and into metal and into, you know, bad kid stuff. Um, and he, so he was, yeah, he's the one who really introduced me to skateboarding. Got it. Wow. That, that uh, I love that idea of being called out for being a poser and then being like, Oh, I, I guess I got to retroactively get into this. Oh yeah. He was a borderline bully at that time, but, right. but, uh, <laughs> he's one of my best friends. I still talk to him every day. So I love that. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, at the end of the day, he was really just like looking out for you. It's like, you know, don't, don't cop this lifestyle if you're not actually going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, what did your, I, I know that within, you know, families that live in your general area, the parents are usually, you know, involved in some sort of governmental job in some capacity was, uh, what were your parents doing for <laughs> work? So my dad is, uh, you know, blue collar. He's a, glazer he does like glass installation and storefronts and you know like doorways and stuff like that and then my mom has uh i I think she's pretty much always worked in the nonprofit work world from like you know starting as a secretary and just really working her way up among a bunch of them and now she works now she's now she gives out grants so she's on the other end of it Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. She's like done the whole spectrum of the nonprofit. Was there uh, was there any hope that you would get into the kind of working with your hand scenario that your uh, father did? Or maybe you do. I don't know. No. Um, my dad had me work with him a lot when I was like late teens and, and starting college. Uh, and he has a lot of like back problems and stuff like that that probably stem from, you know, work. So he wanted me to to get on the job with him to get the experience, but to to show me what it does to your body so that I would find something else to do. <laughs> I, I love that. Where it's like, hey, hey, son, come come and check this out. Like, you know, you're going to really, really not like this, but I want to show you just to make sure you know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so. cool. Uh, and, and where did, uh, like you said, once music kind of took you over in high school, where did that, uh, I guess, introduction point stem from? Was it, uh, your friends or was that you just kind of, you know, existing by hearing stuff on the radio and then obviously wanted to travel deeper? Yeah. So I think that the music was always a, a big thing in our family, you know, whether, whether you're talking about the stuff that you like when you're a little kid, like for, which for, for me was like. Paul Abdul and Mariah Carey and, you know, Boyz II Men and ABC and stuff like that. And then when the, you know, Nirvana Green Day thing hit in the early 90s, my brother and I got really into that kind of stuff. And I think that was when the both of us like felt that felt like there was music out there that was being written for us. Excuse me. So, um, uh, at that point, you know, uh, we started to just like work our way back or explore what was happening within current music and, you know, watching MTV and seeing all the existing Nirvanas and Pearl Jams and Soundgardens and 
I was really into Green Day, as was my brother. Uh, and then my dad would take us to like bigger gigs of of that time. There was a radio station called uh, WH991WHFS that used to do uh, these things called HF festivals, which are probably like comparable to like the K-Rock weenie roast and stuff like that. Yep. So it was just these like huge, huge festivals that are one day that have a ton of bands and there's multiple stages. So like he started taking us to those in 95 and then him and my mom both took us over, you know, the next three or four years to those. And then to gigs at this place called 930 club to see like, you know, Scott, like Goldfinger and Mighty Mighty Boston's and Pie Tasters and stuff like that. Um, that that's re- honestly like hearing that experience is really cool because the fact that your your parents were not only ready and willing to take you to those shows but like not do the whole you know maybe typical <laughs> like i'll drop you off and i'll pick you up in a couple hours scenario it's like no let's go in there together and you'll be able to watch this stuff with us yeah and, and my dad legitimately enjoyed like enjoyed that era of music and would be excited to see bands on that. Uh, I think my mom only went to the the first year and uh, she saw Primus and they were like, Ramones were headlining and Primus played right before Ramones. And she was like, so burnt out after Primus played that she made us leave. Uh, and I miss the Ramones. So I really, <laughs> really wanted to see. Um, That's funny. But, but yeah. So thanks, Primus, for making me miss Ramones. But, yeah, um, that's that. That's obviously on them. You know, your yeah. mom couldn't hang with Jerry was a race car driver. No, not at all. So Which I, I mean, go- to, to be fair, I get like you know, <laughs> your your mom being like, oh, I'm punished with Les Claypool's you know bass for that long. Like this, let's go, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was over. It was over. So that's um, well done. But that, that, like you said, you're you, because your parents legitimately enjoyed it, and you didn't feel like it was being forced upon you. It'll, <laughs> it probably allowed you to be able to like the music kind of unabashedly because there was that not not even a cosign from parents because the moment that happens, then it becomes uncool. But just the general enthusiasm opened the world up for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and they. Yeah, I I really don't ever remember them being like. You know, even once I, you know, was listening to, you know, hard, you know, capital H hardcore or whatever, they never really shit on it. They weren't like mean about it or, or, uh, talk down to me about it. They were just like, that's cool. Whatever, whatever you want to listen to, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're saying or why they're so angry, but, but that's totally fine if that's what you want to listen to, you know, as long, you know, and then you, they, they hear about the straight edge thing or whatever. And they're like, Oh, I don't need to worry about my kid doing, doing drugs. Like I'm okay with this. Yeah. They had no problem with that. (laughs) Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It does. I mean, I know it obviously gets a touch, a little touchy once you get to the whole, you know, gang mentality, crew mentality of the mid nineties where it's like, you know, if your parents watch a, you know, news program and says straight edge is a gang, that's where it got a little spotty. But you know, for the most part, you you being able to have your parents not worry about you that will that will be very beneficial yeah yeah and it it definitely was rockabilia is the name of the game for where you want to buy your officially licensed band merch so first off go to rockabilia.com use the code 100 words or less that gets you 10 percent off your entire order and let me tell you They have so many things for you to peruse. I actually was just popping around on their site today. They have kids clothing. I wasn't aware about this, but they, and like when I'm talking about kids, like they got baby stuff. It's so, so cool. All of this stuff is officially licensed. So the bands get paid. You are supporting an independent business and they ship it to you lickety split from the Midwest in the United States of America. I love this company. I love what they do. They bring I don't care what style of music you are into, whether it's metal, whether it's rock, whether it's classic rock, I don't care what it is. They got something for you. So go visit the website, use the promo code 100 words or less, 10% off your order and enjoy all of the spoils that you will get when you find 
what Rockabilia.com has to offer. Thank you, Rockabilia. I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention the uh, Cracker Gin Blossom Spin Doctors gig that you actually mentioned in our mutual friend Jeremy's podcast. Um, I I saw that gig as well, and uh, my dad literally snuck me into the show, like total, you know, overcoat. Like, <laughs> I, oh, it's wow. insane. I know, and it was this was in Vegas. Um, but I just like that show and that tour was so formative for basically any kid between the age of like nine and fifteen because it was like. Everything that was, like you said. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray happening in the cultural zeitgeist, but like all those bands were firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Absolutely. Who was who, who your favorite of the night? Oh, it was Jim Blossoms. It was definitely Jim Blossoms. So but, good. You know, and I, I liked when I went, I was familiar with all of them, but, but in, in Jim Blossoms, I still listen to pretty regularly. I think they, they held up really well, at least those two records, you know, but I, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I legitimately saw them maybe about four years ago when they played a club here in Orange County and uh, they like, yep, no problem. Still rock. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, they do those. Like, I feel like they do a lot of like outdoor, um, not carnival, uh, country fairs. Yep. Yeah. Cut fairs. Yeah. And stuff like that. And I always debate on going, but you yeah. know, maybe this year's the year. It could be. I mean, it, that, that stuff starts to get expensive. I definitely lucked out by uh, having a mutual friend with a drummer, so he got me in. But like, honestly, oh, nice. but, yeah, but those tickets are like 50, 60 bucks. So, you know, I feel you on that. It's like, do I? Yeah, that's not on my budget. So, no, no, not at all. Um, so, what, what was the life path, as it were, in regards to, you know, once you started to look forward? Because uh, obviously, you know, you getting into music and being passionate about that, uh, there was no probably understanding that it's like, Oh, I'm going to be a professional musician. Like that's not part of your pur- purview. Um, so what was kind of the life path that you were pursuing? Uh, so in high school, I took a lot of, um, you know, heavy emphasis on art classes, you know, painting, photography, you know, even just like random, like electives that I could just like make up my own assignment, you know, like, for one semester, we like my, my friend and I painted this like carousel horse as a project. And that was cool. So art was always a big thing, but the, the thing for me was I never felt like much of an artist in the way my creative creativity came. And I still don't feel like much of an artist to be honest, but my create creativity just comes in waves. So to have that as like a career never, really appealed to me because you know as we stated earlier with like praise stuff is like i just want to do it when it comes to me and it makes sense to me and it you know it's ready to be expressed and i felt like with a lot of jobs in the arts you're kind of forcing creativity and you may end up putting something out there that you don't like and i just didn't really want to do that so i took a bunch of like after I graduated, I took a bunch of general classes 
uh, at the community college and was playing in bands, doing weekends and stuff like that. And uh, then when my brother passed away, I, I dropped out and was just like working a random job. And then a few months after that, I did like a full U.S. tour with a friend's band, just hanging out. And when I got back is when um, Ch- uh, Champion asked me to, to join. And sure. That, you know, that turned into like a two-year thing. Right, right. And the uh, I presume the tour that you're speaking about that you went on, was that uh, the Desperate Measures tour? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, yeah. I- yeah, I don't. How'd, me- I don't you, how'd you find that one? I don't mess around, Andy. I know what's up, dog. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> no, but I mean, because I, I definitely saw Desperate Measures, um, and because you didn't. To be clear, you didn't actually play in Desperate Measures, right? Or did you? I did. I okay. was in it at the beginning, but the tour that I did, I was just uh, hanging out and you know trying to get away from from Maryland and sure, you were, that kind you, of stuff. Yeah, you were a vibe tech. Yes, exactly. Yeah, love the vibe text. Uh, everybody needs one. Um, so when you when you actually got out and toured beyond, um, you know, just the the weekends that you were doing previously, uh, did you like touring right away, or was that something you had to ramp up to kind of, you know, understand how you can exist on tour? Uh, I, I was all in pretty pretty immediately. I enjoyed it. You know, I, I obviously think, you know, as an adult looking looking back on it, I was was running from a lot of things at home, but it's what I needed at the time, and um, I, I loved it. I, I loved touring. I absolutely loved it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, the so you spending time in, in desperate measures and playing uh, was that technically like your first band, or did you play in something before that? There, yeah, I had like a high school band called Sleep It Off, Scream for Ch- you know, and then changed the name to Scream for Change, and we did a demo. Uh, but but Desperate Measures was like the first, like really real thing that you know recorded a seven inch and played a lot of shows. Um, yeah, and that was so interesting at that time too, with uh, many bands like that old school hardcore revival uh, of yeah, I mean the early 2000s was such a boom for that, you know, first step in my eyes, all that sort of stuff, American nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. But then it was so interesting because the, the sustainability of many of those bands was so, it was like, we're going to hit it hard for two to four years. And then all of a sudden, you know, like life gets in the way and we can't do this anymore. And it, I know at that time too, it was always interesting to track bands to be able to be like, are they going to get to a second full length? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, it's it's changed a little bit since then. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I think to your point of what we were originally talking about at the top, like that pressure to you know constantly be on the road, and of course, like those all those opportunities were exciting, so you didn't fault any bands for doing that. But there really wasn't any uh, thought process besides besides oh yeah, I'll take this tour. Like of course, this is going to you know be a, a cool thing for another couple months. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I speaking for, for myself and, and the bands that that I was in, that was definitely the thought. But I definitely think that there were bands at the time where that were just like, yeah, we're just going to keep doing this, you yep. know? Because I, th- I think you know, at that time, you, you still, it was like out of the ordinary for you to be able to continue for twenty years or whatever. But you know, sick of it all, and Agnostic Front still existed at that time, so there was somewhat of a a model for it as out of reach as it may have seemed. So I'm, I'm sure there were some people who were like, yeah, let's, let's do what they do. They do. So. Yeah. Right. Let's keep it, let's keep it rolling as long as we can. The, um, so like you mentioned in joining champion, like you were already stepping onto a, you know, very fast moving train. <laughs> and yeah, for sure. Did it feel like you were using that opportunity just to kind of be like, well, I get to hang out with friends. I get to hang out with, um, you know, these people I care about, but then also go on these tours, experience the world. Uh, Did you feel like you were kind of just along for the ride or did you feel pretty, um, you know, integrated as far as maybe where the music was going, you know, before the band broke up and stuff like that? Um, I think that, they did the best to include me uh, as much as they could, but 
that train was already rolling. Um, so it wasn't, it never felt like my band and that's okay. Like I, I knew what the deal was, but they never made me feel like I wasn't a part of it. They always included me, you know, let me have my voice and stuff like that. But you know, when you, when you, when you're 20 or 21 and you, you join a band that's, that's already been around, been touring and are also older than you, that there's inevitably going to be that dynamic, no matter how hard, you know, the parties tried to make it otherwise, it's, it's kind of always going to be there. Right. Yeah. It, especially too, where you didn't want to be the, uh, the new guy in the room being like, all right, guys, listen to me. You know, I really know what's happening. They're like, Andy, we've been doing this a little bit longer than you. So just, just, you know, be quiet. Not like that yeah. interaction ever happened, but still. Yeah, no, they were never, never, ever like that at all. No, so. no, no, no. That, that's definitely not the, uh, the, the vibe from, uh, those people in the band. So, yeah. No. Um, and so, you know, as you were getting to experience, you know, what it was like playing in, you know, a professionally touring hardcore band and kind of experiencing maybe the, you know, business side of the band, uh, did you, I, I guess, enjoy that aspect of it? Or was the business side always pretty far removed from you and you were just obviously happy to be, um, you know, a part of it? Uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty far removed from, like, you know, I knew what was going on, but I wasn't making any decisions like that. And none of that was really, you know, none of it was my responsibility. So right. I, I, it definitely was not on my mind. Sure. Did you, um, I mean, once you started to experience a little bit of control from that perspective with the, you know, other product, I mean, especially with, with praise, um, do you like, I guess the business implications and I am using air quotes around that because I understand that, you know, business implication makes it sound like, you know, praise is uh, registered as an LLC and you you got a bank account and stuff. But, um, do you like that aspect of, you know, being in a band? No, not at all. I just, I just want to make the stuff and share it with people and not have to think about all the other stuff. Right. <laughs> I love it. Just keep it simple. Just, I just want to yeah. put out the records and do this and uh, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. I just want to make stuff and I want to share it with people. Yeah. And I don't want to have to think about all the other stuff and how you can, how you sell it to people and how you get people to pay attention. Um, it's not, uh, that's not my wheelhouse. So. Right. Do, do you think that speaks uh, also maybe to your personality as well? And I mean, like we were joking about before I was recording, you definitely are a, uh, from what I observe, a very uh, chill dude, sort of easygoing. I know everybody would like to display themselves as such, but you genuinely seem like that. Um, is that, uh, you know, do you think that's part of your personality as well? Where it's like, oh yeah, I, I don't care about that because, you know, that's really sort of not on my level, so to speak? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that because I think I care about most things. I think to, to a fault. And I, I actually think I'm kind of high strung, but, but I do my best to, to stay calm and relax and, you know, keep an open mind about, you know, new, new things coming my way that I'm going to have to tackle at, at some point. I, I just like, generally speaking don't like to have to overthink the business side of being in a band, you know, and thinking about money and stuff like that. Like I just want to make stuff and I would prefer someone else has to, to deal with the money stuff. Yeah, that that's fair. I don't know if that answers your question. That was a pretty roundabout way of talking about it. So (laughs) no, I, I mean, I think that that, um, I mean, it does answer the question and I think it's, you know, I appreciate when there is pushback from an outside observer, because I do think that uh, that idea of being easygoing versus like caring about something like you can be easygoing, but you also can have this like, well, no, I want it to go this way because I care about it. Like there is that push pull in regards to that, I guess, in regards to the way that people may view easygoing people, generically speaking as such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, I, I mean, I, I, care about stuff. I would like to think that I'm an easygoing person, though. So um, I'm glad I'm putting that on that uh, that front pretty well. Yeah, that's good. 
and when you're saying that you are, you feel like there is a high strung nature to yourself and um, do you feel like it's uh, manifesting itself kind of inside your head, like you're overthinking stuff or is it manifesting itself in different ways? I think it's, it's in my head and, and I just tend to worry a lot about things that don't matter. And, uh, and then, you know, like, again, like some of the business stuff and some of the decisions you make with your band, you know, where I think myself and, and everyone else in um, praise can be very, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, think about every little detail to a fault to the, to the point where like, it just holds things up. You know, you kind of hold yourself back and it delays things because you're so focused on this thing that, and the grand scheme of things does not matter. Right. And I, that That's more of, of the kind of things that I tend to do. Right. So the, the saying, you know, losing the forest from the tree sort of scenario, you're overwhelmed exactly. by. Yeah, sure. We, I mean, and that can be where, it, especially if you are so focused on the one thing and then, um, you know, it does come across in the way that you want it, but then you're just like, oh yeah, that took eight months to do when it could have taken two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And in, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, like praise is the first time that you sang in a band, correct? Yeah, that's, that's right. Right. And how much of an adjustment was it for you to, I guess, put yourself out there because they're, you know, especially within the context of, well, music in general, people pay attention to the vocalist the most. And uh, (laughs) was that uh, an adjustment for you, uh, kind of putting yourself out there, you know, front man wise, or was that something that you felt relatively comfortable doing at that juncture? Uh, No, it was pretty difficult, but um, I do like, you know, I like to challenge myself. So... Um, I think, I think I, I was able to push through it. I still, you know, I still get really, really nervous, um, for all the multitudes of reasons you could be nervous for singing in a band. But, um, it was, it was to go back to your questions. It was a big adjustment, but, uh, I'm glad that I took the leap. Right. Yeah. You, you, you push forward with it. Yeah. And, and especially too, where you were older you know, like there, there's that weird middle ground where it's like, you know, when you're 15 or 16, you don't think about anything. You're just like operating off of pure instinct. And then, yeah. you know, when you're a little bit older, you're a little bit more comfortable in your own skin so that you can have a little bit more confidence in there. But it's probably that early 20s if it's like your first band when you're singing. And that's where it may be a little more difficult because you're so self-conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very self-conscious. Right. And not like that goes away because you, but you at least, <laughs> you at least know how to like maybe quiet that voice in your head. Yeah. You'd think, you'd think you'd get better at it. Right. But I feel like it's gotten a little harder as I've gotten older to be honest, but. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, and so with the, you know, what you, what you have put together with praise in regards to, you know, working with, uh, you know, react and then obviously working with rev, um, you know, it seems like you are just trying to keep a very, uh, you know, close circle of obviously people you trust, not only with, you know, artwork and the way that you want all these things executed. Uh, I presume that is very, very deliberate on your guys' part. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that there's also, um, a, a, a want and a need to include, uh, people that inspire us or, you know, our friends, people we love to uh, collaborate with us and make stuff with us. Um, I think that that's really, um, I mean, one of the coolest things of hardcore and punk, but also just like uh, what things are always better when you work together with people, you know, and you share things with people and you experience things together. So finding, you know, being inspired by your friends that are artists and including them in what you're doing is just like one of the coolest things in my, in my opinion. Yeah, it it is cool to be able to see not only how other people can bring their creative juices into it, but then also probably from the, Oh, I I can't even do this. So of course I'm going to work with a friend who like gets where I'm coming from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And for, 
you know, all, all of the stuff that you have done, you know, across the hardcore scene in general in regards to the bands you've played with and the music that you've put out there, um, you know, you're, you're pretty prolific, like we were talking about with, you know, bands getting to their second LP and how that's, it's like, oh, wow, like that's, you know, that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is hard to do to put out, you know, multiple releases over a period of time. Do you think that's like, would you define yourself as like a driven person or is that just a function of the fact that you guys all work so well together and you've kind of built this, um, you know, band for the long run as opposed to, you know, a short burst? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't consider myself, uh, prolific by any means. I feel like I am very slow and take a while to, 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 uh, to finish the creative things I'm working on. Um, for, I think that for praise, when you need to kick it into gear and the drive needs to be there, it's there. But it, in those like off times, uh, it can be difficult to get, to get the motor running because, um, right. You know, everyone's so, like I said, everyone's so busy and has other stuff going on and you really have to have a, something, an idea that's pretty fully fleshed out to get, you know, to get people moving on something like that. Sure. Sure. Like if you just send like a riff of, you know, a guitar riff with no, no drums or anything else with it, it's get it's probably getting lost in the mix. But if you send like a full, fully demoed song with a pretty concrete idea, then that will kind of put some gas in the tank. I don't know why I keep using a car as a metaphor, but no, it's okay. Maybe, you're, maybe yeah, you're, right. you're, you're a big gearhead, obviously. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Heck yes. I get to talk to you about one of our new sponsors, Evil Greed. They are a Berlin, Germany-based merchandise company in mail order. And what they do is they offer web store solutions for bands all over the world and they ship to the united states which is awesome and it gets you very very quick they have a carefully curated roster let me just list you some of the bands and you will understand why we are working together they got sun blood incantation power trip deaf heaven emma ruth rundle chelsea wolf russian circles close casket activities sergeant house nails they've got everything when you're looking for something that is aggressive and artistically minded, that is what Evil Greed is up to and working with. And they want to give you 10% off of your order. So please use the code 100words that gets you 10% off your order. And like I said, they ship from Germany, but it gets to you very fast. I have literally ordered from them and I have gotten it. I was like, wow, this is like really quick. You shipped this from Germany? Are you sure about that? But anyways, Evil Greed is the place to go if you are looking for web store solutions with a very carefully curated list of bands. They know what's up and they know what they're doing with band merch. So work with Evil Greed, use this code 100 words, 10% off of your first order. And thank you, Evil Greed. Like you said, you took a kind of general classes in high school. Like what did you act or in college? What did you Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Actually get a degree in. My degree is in, is in visual communication design and U.S. history. Oh, that's a, that's a pretty interesting dual combo there. Yeah, yeah. I don't use the U.S. history stuff at all, and I have forgotten most of it, to be totally honest. But, <laughs> that, that, that's fine, but you have a piece of yeah. paper that says you're smart in it, so. Yeah, it's, that's true. 
That's yeah. True. <laughs> um, and, and so what have you done from a profession perspective as you were, you know, kind of, uh, putting together all, once you started to tour less, what did you, what do you do, um, on the, the day job side of things? So for a while, I just worked at a, uh, a vegan restaurant in, in, uh, in Maryland. And I taught in Baltimore for a little while. I did a lot of like, just kind of trying to figure things out. And typically I, I tend to lean towards jobs where I could, you know, take weekends off in case I wanted to, um, to gig or go to gigs or, or, you know, go on tour. But, um, I wouldn't say I had, uh, a big shit like career type thing until six or seven years ago when I started doing, um, graphic design and marketing for the, for a couple organic markets in Maryland. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So that's my day job. Got it. Got it. And, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, would you still define yourself as a straight edge and or vegan or vegetarian? Yes. Uh, vegan and straight edge. Got it. And, uh, that I, I myself am both as well. And so nice. I ask this selfishly where it's like the, um, you know, I mean, especially once you get to a certain age, it's like, you know, us as adults, um, you know, we don't really need to like call ourselves straight edge, but later like clearly an important aspect that attaches us to, to both of those philosophies. Um, what do you feel like it's basically just like hardwired in you at this point? Or is it um, a matter that like, yes, I still am proud to call myself, I mean, more so on the straight edge side of things, because veganism is a whole different thing. Um, yeah. But what kind of keeps you connected? To straight edge? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that like the, you know, I, I kind of, uh, subscribe to the minor threat kind of straight edge and, you know, it's more about, it's a more of a personal thing and how you, you know, in an attempt to see the world the way you want to see it. So I, I don't really know how I do or don't connect it connect with it now it's just a part of me and that's that i do still get excited when i see a morton or a hooded figure x'd up um i still get excited when i you know hear a new straight edge band but but for me it's just it's just a it's part of me it's not something i think about too frequently sure I'm sure maybe uh, interacting with civilians that uh, find out you don't drink and or eat meat. Um, you know, do you have uh, funny interactions from that perspective? Oh yeah. I don't tell, tell normal people that I'm straight edge. Uh, sure. Never, never. And uh, I try to avoid the, the vegan conversation too, because I just, <laughs> right. You know, it's, you know, it's too much. Yeah. I've been dealing with this for 20 some years. Like I'm not, I don't need to have this conversation with people anymore. I don't need someone to ask me where I get my protein from. Come on. <laughs> the best, the best question, you know, that's, the, that's yeah. the, the first. And it's like, do you, have you ever asked anybody uh, that eats meat where they get their protein? No, <laughs> like, never. No, no the question's never, a concern. never been asked. Nope. Not at all. Um, and kind of, you know, attached along that same line, like the identity piece, there is, um, you know, the notion that's like, oh, you know, Andy Norton from Praise or obviously Andy Norton from Champion. Um, had you always maintained kind of like a healthy balance of like, yes, I play in the band, but not the sort of um, not saying that you would prescribe to the ego worship. But, you know, there is that idea that people look up to people that play in bands. Um, did you ever have to kind of navigate that in your own head? No, I don't, I don't think about that very much because I don't think people, I think in the grand scheme of life in the world that, that the things I've done are very small and, um, not, uh, I don't know how to articulate this, but, um, I don't know. I, I've never had to, to think about that because I don't think I'm anything special. I just, think I'm a person who likes to make stuff and sometimes people dig it. Right. Yeah. You're like, I just, uh, just do the work and if people pay attention to it, cool, but I'm just, I'm just a normal human. Yeah. 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 
Um, and I'm guessing too that because you, like you said, for a while you were building your life around the ability to, you know, tour on the weekends or you know, be as active as you possibly could be within the, you know, bands you were playing in. Uh, is it was it difficult kind of getting off of the road, or has that been kind of a you know welcome new chapter in your life? No, so th- that so what what happened was I. Um, when champion was like towards the end, my mom got a job at a university and got a sweet deal that would enable me to go back to school and save a lot of money on my education. So she kind of pulled the mom card and was like, you know, you don't have to do this, but I think it'd be a really good idea. And since they, both my parents had always supported my endeavors with music, I figured like taking taking four year three and a half four years to to do the college thing, and because I didn't you know they didn't know if my sister was going to go to college or anything like that, and I think both of them wanted to see one of their kids graduate, so I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll suck it up and go back to school. But I mean, to be totally honest, I'm still trying to figure out the the end goal, right? The end the the career type stuff. I. I didn't sure. know when I graduated high school or, you know, in community college or graduated college. So, um, but, but yeah, that, yeah, you just knew it was a, a, a practical application and opportunity you couldn't pass up. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which I mean, which I, I think that everybody has to reckon with that, not only in their lives of the, the idea of the Peter Pan syndrome where, you're just lot. It's like, Oh dude, I'm just gonna be on the road forever. And it's like, there is a charm to that. But then if there is no personal growth whatsoever, that's when it becomes, you know, frankly sad. And you turn into like the Matthew McConaughey character in dazed and confused, you know, where it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely, you know, and I definitely saw that and have always tried to maintain that balance between, you know, hardcore play being a part of hardcore and punk music being a part of that playing in bands, but also that not being my entire life. Cause you know, some things aren't there. Some things aren't meant to be uh, in your life for the whole, for your whole life. Not, not saying that like hardcore, uh, like hardcore punk isn't always going to be there for me, but you know, yeah. When you get older and you're in a room full of, you know, 19 and 20 year olds, that, that dynamic does shift no matter how much people tell you that all ages are welcome in those rooms. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's okay. Again, that's like, okay. But like, that's something that, that people need to think about. Oh, absolutely. There's the idea of, I mean, no one really had to wrestle with the idea of aging gracefully within punk and hardcore because, you know, I mean, ostensibly it's been around since the late seventies, early eighties. And so now we're just entering the, you know, second or third generations of people that are still connected to it. And, you know, being the proverbial old man in the room, it's like, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you know, you're, <laughs> is it practical for you to be doing stage dives at 39? It's like, probably not like, you know, yeah. it's like, I mean, if you can, if you can, if you're 39 and you can respect, but totally, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're like, not me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also have to, I know photography was a, uh, was, and still is a, you know, medium that you like to, to dabble in. And, uh, I, I know just based on the fact that, uh, you express this on Jeremy's podcast, which is literally the first time that I'm like referencing the same podcast <laughs> in a discussion, but, yeah. um, I helped put out that sick of it all record that feature. Yeah. He said that he said that. And, and I find it so funny because honestly, in my reflection of the uh, sick, sick of it all record, Death of Tyrants, shout out to that mm-hmm. record because it's incredible. Um, I I have no recollection whatsoever of how that I, I know how the layout got put together, but I distinctly remember uh, the band obviously being like, here's some <laughs> photos to work with. And so I just think it's absolutely hilarious that you were like taking photos and sending around to bands and then all of a sudden like one of the you know pillars of the hardcore community includes your your lay your, your picture in the layout i thought it was so cool yeah it was it was wild it was a trip right so i i it, it's a roundabout way of me saying i'm sorry i probably owe you coffee or something oh uh, it's all good man i it's all good 
I, ju- I just i i could i was literally lolling out loud as you were expressing that where it's like yeah i don't even know how that picture got out and i'm like oh my yeah. gosh that is so funny yeah, very funny <laughs> the uh, last thing i want to hit on was um your the lyrical content and obviously the the sound of praise definitely you know resides very firmly within the you know dc sound you know rights of spring and brace and stuff like that I'm impressed by your lyrics because I don't feel like they jump the shark in regards to, you know, the sort of heart in your sleeve approach, because Mm -hmm. if you were to, you know, just write down embrace or write to spring lyrics and just hand them off to a person, they'd be like, yo, this is the corniest stuff ever. Like this is, you know, cause it's devoid of context. Um, and I, I think you do strike that balance. I I'm sure that that is a very, very uh, deliberate thought process you go through where it's like, yo, is this too cheesy or is this too like, you know, uh, how do you kind of, I guess, walk through that in order to arrive at the lyrics that you ultimately end up with? I, I'm Well, thank you for saying that. You're I welcome. appreciate it. Um, I, I Going back to what we said earlier, I think about it a lot. I overthink it and it takes a lot of time and I scrap a lot of stuff. Sometimes it takes someone in the band being like, Hey, that, you you know, you might be pushing it a little too far on that one, you know, dial it back a little. Um, but at the end of the day, like that, I'm just trying to express myself in accurately give an extension of, you know, how I feel and how I f- perceive the world. And, I hope that it, it comes out in a way that is relatable to people as opposed to a way that is, you know, cliche or cheesy. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I appreciate you saying that because, you know, sometimes I do think what I say is, 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 um, too earnest and it's just like a test to just see what happens once, uh, it's open to, to people's interpretation. Right. Yeah. And I think that is probably a testament to the idea of, of overthinking where it's like, I am putting so much thought into this, whether or not it's to the point where it cripples me and I can't actually (laughs) make a decision. Uh, But you know, the fact that you are cognizant of it, I think is where it helps you arrive to the final product where you were at, as opposed to just like, you know, not saying that you would ever, you know, write to fit the sound per se, where it's like, oh, because we're trying to, you know, be inspired from all these bands that exist in our, you know, geographical area that I need to write lyrics like this. Like, you know, like one doesn't need to happen because of the other or whatever. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Andy, thank you so much for hanging out. I honestly appreciate you letting me, um, you know, punish you about all these random things, but uh, yeah, you're a good chat. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. There you have it. That was Mr. Andy Norton. And please, if you have not checked out Praise, just jump right on it. You will not regret it, and you will probably find one of your new favorite bands. So thank you very much to Andy for uh, hopping on, because I I just punished him over Instagram. was like, yo, dude, I really like your band, and I would like to talk to you. And he was, he was very excited to do so. And I, I love that when there's that in mutual admiration and enthusiasm that uh, ping pongs off of each other. So anyways, next week I have another live podcast live from Outbreak Fest, which happened in June in Manchester, United Kingdom. I was able to curate a stage with the uh, Outbreak Festival people. And I did, oh my gosh, I don't know, like 12, 13 interviews over there. It was awesome. They're all a little bit shorter than these long form ones. But uh, next week I will have Ollie Appleyard from Static Dress and Kadeem France from Loathe. These are both awesome bands. Static Dress, I honestly had never listened to prior to the festival and uh, I had never spoken to Ollie. And same thing can be said for Kadeem. Never spoke to him before. I enjoyed Loathe, what they do. But um, these were interesting conversations because I kind of had to do a little bit of uh, you know what I typically do in this podcast as far as kind of building the narrative of who these people are, but then also, you know, do that in front of an audience. So it was really interesting, but I find both of these conversations compelling. So that's what I got next week. Until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all of the difference. 
That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.